Hello, everyone. My name is Walid Nasser. I'm the District Vice President at Yale Science and Engineering Association. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Alan Sue, on our podcast. Alan Sue is an experienced co-founder with a demonstrated history of working in the medical and wearable device industry. At various points in her career, Alan has raised funding, directed product, led design, and formed critical business relationships. At the core, she's an operations and product person who focuses on empowering creative teams and deliver user-critical features. So good to have you with us, Alan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, why don't you start with uh, telling us more about your uh, affiliation with Yale and uh, the work you've been doing with SciCity and, and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So I came to Yale for undergrad in 2009 and graduated in 2013. Uh, I was in Timothy Dwight College. Uh, technically, I was actually an art major, but I did actually spend a lot of my time in the engineering school. I worked closely with the Yale Center for Engineering Innovation and Design, um, especially in the early days when it was just launched. Uh, I basically lived there my senior year. I got really into product design and human-centered design, and so kind of in that part of my Yale journey, got really involved with uh, various groups and clubs through Yale. So uh, worked closely with the engineering school on some projects, uh, co-founded the Yale chapter of Design for America, and then actually was working at Yale full-time as a design fellow. Um, and so co-founded a startup um, out of one of those projects, worked with, uh, worked with my co-founder, and we were kind of participating in the, uh, in the business accelerator um, so that was the summer accelerator program that was through Sci uh, City's predecessor, YEI. Um, and then we just stayed involved through there. We had gotten you know, a lot of help and guidance through, uh, through Yale and through Sci City. Um, and so when Sci uh, City was properly launched and was looking for folks to help out and, and give advice and mentorship, uh, we really jumped at that opportunity because we felt that we had uh, benefited a lot from that ecosystem. And we had benefited a lot, particularly from other Yaleys and other startup co-founders who were just a couple of years ahead of us. So we were really excited to have that opportunity to give back to the ecosystem and to work with other young founders who are kind of in our same position. So uh, myself and my co-founder Levi, we joined Sci City as mentors and residents for a couple of years. Um, and so that was, uh, that was a really great opportunity for us to both work directly with student teams, but also weigh in on programming, looking at what, what information was uh, really important for students to have and how to structure that around um, the information that's really critical for running and launching a business. Uh, so, yeah, um, nowadays I'm involved as a, just as a mentor with SciCity. I help out with workshops. I help out with uh, talks sometimes. And then I'm also um, a part of the leadership team for Accelerate Yale, which is focusing on uh, Yale alumni who are launching businesses and supporting those, those alumni. That's amazing. So tell us more about uh, Wellings, which is a COPD focused digital health company um, you know, what transpired into coming up with this uh, mission and vision and um, how are you uh, addressing this, this space? Yeah, absolutely. So we, like I said before, we had co-founded the startup um, basically right out of undergrad. We had started, uh, it was actually a different startup focusing on scoliosis treatment and improving scoliosis treatment, but it was uh, a lot of the same principles of being able to use devices to collect data, being able to process that data, give that back to the patients to have insights and to better personalize and customize treatment to meet individual patient needs. So that was part of the, you know, that was part of the spirit of it. 
Um, and what we ended up doing and that previous startup is we raised funding, we were able to uh, launch kind of a clinical study, but we, uh, you know, we were having trouble kind of growing beyond that just because our market uh, with the scoliosis side was too small. And so you know, we were looking for strategic partnership um, and we actually had this really great opportunity to take a lot of what we had learned in the scoliosis side of things and apply that in a much bigger and, and more complicated space. So that's where we got in touch with um, what's now Wellings, which is the respiratory side of the business. Um, and so we actually end up doing a merger slash acquisition uh, at the end of 2019. Um, I joined that team um, and where we were able to bring in a lot of that technology and a lot of the product development and, and uh, kind of product uh, vision from that previous uh, previous idea and apply that within COPD treatment and really look at opportunities to evolve uh, COPD care. And the past year and a half has been um, a really big lesson in why it's so necessary to do that and why it's so necessary to be able to customize treatment and, and bring treatment to people in their homes. Um, and so that's been part of our mission over the past year. We've really been able to expand our vision. We started off, you know, with a device and adding Bluetooth there. And now we've been able to really uh, look at it holistically and look at it from kind of an end-to-end -end treatment management perspective. That's amazing. Actually, COPD is an interesting, my dad has COPD. Uh, so tell us more about uh, like, you know, COPD, but also like the, the digital health landscape uh, in context of the, the new modalities uh, of, yeah. of the world. And uh, what are some of the challenges, opportunities uh, that you see in the space? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the past year for, for me has been a really uh, an education in the respiratory care and pulmonology. And, you know, for us, we, I joined the team in January of 2020, which was a definitely very interesting time to be getting into respiratory care and especially with digital, uh, digital health. Um, and so COPD is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It is a, uh, it's a chronic condition and it is also one that doesn't actually improve over time. So you can learn to live with it. You can learn better strategies for managing it and you can improve your quality of life but it's not something that people really recover from. Um, it typically affects older, uh, older folks, ages 65 plus. It's a very high uh, kind of Medicare population as well, which makes it, um, you know, it gives, there are some opportunities there and some challenges that are brought um, by that. And so the patients there, you know, it's treated through a combination of, uh, of medications. So a lot of inhaler-based or nebulizer-based medications uh, to open up the airways and to, provide kind of long-term, uh, like long capacity preservation, but it also involves a lot of other lifestyle changes. And so it's similar to diabetes in that, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do on a daily basis that help uh, improve quality of life there. Things like exercising regularly, uh, losing weight and changing their diet. A big one for us is smoking cessation. A lot of, you know, there's a really high incidence of COPD for, um, people who smoke are former smokers. And so, you know, smoking cessation is a big piece of that as well. And on the digital side, you know, for the past year, a lot of these patients, they're already impacted because they can't move through the world freely just because it's difficult to get around if you can't breathe effectively. You know, taking the bus is a challenge, going up and down the stairs is a challenge. Um, and so these folks are already having a hard time moving through the world. Uh, but you add in the pandemic, which is a very serious respiratory condition. And, you know, that's a perfect recipe for, you know, people staying at home, 
you know, for, for good reason, but also not getting the care that they need. These are patients that are typically seen only every six months anyway. And so if there is a decline, usually it's not caught early enough. And so these are patients with, um, you know, if they end up admitted to the hospital, they end up with high readmission rates. Uh, and so there's a real opportunity to deliver care to people at home, both, um, you know, help, help in making those lifestyle changes uh, as well as educating them and giving them access to resources that they wouldn't have otherwise. Very interesting. I want to switch gears and um, uh, talk about your, your personal journey as a founder. Uh, you know, you surely are a shining star and inspiration for a lot of female minority founders out there. Uh, could you share any uh, any insights, lesson, lessons learned uh, with regards to launching uh, a company, raising capital, finding the right partnerships, hiring and, and leading a company? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a journey and, you know, it's, it's challenging for anybody, right? You know, launching, launching a company, especially, you know, what I've, what I've seen now is that you know, first time founders have a really hard, hard go of it because you are trying to prove yourself as a founder in a situation where, uh, you know, the investors that you're talking to, the partners that you're working with, they're not, they don't know how you're going to, going to react, but also you yourself, you know, you need to rise to the challenge as well. And, and you're going to run into situations and, um, and things that you've never, you've never done before and you've never run into before. And so I think there's a big, um, there's a big emphasis on kind of developing skills of resilience, of being able to kind of roll with the punches, of being able to uh, kind of work under pressure. And those, those I think are skills that apply for everyone. But what, from what I've seen, you know, there's a big, because there are fewer female founders and there are fewer um, uh, people of color as well uh, in the investment committees, in the kind of experienced, um, you know, in the experienced startup founder realm, it, it's just a little bit harder. You end up having to prove yourself more because you don't necessarily fit the mold of, you know, the, the investable company that's not going to take a lot of work. So when you talk to investors, they are looking for, they're looking for a way to repeat their past successes. And so they'll look and say, okay, well, you know, a company that does this, this, and this, and looks like this, this, and this, uh, we've succeeded there. So you know, we're likely to succeed again. But you know, if you if you look different, if you uh, speak differently, if you kind of approach problems differently, um, you just end up having to prove yourself a little bit more. So that's you know being held to a higher standard when it comes to proving traction, or you know being able to answer more questions that someone else might be able to kind of gloss over. I've been fortunate in that I haven't had you know too many really outright incidents, and I think more of what I've run into is just based on. You know, founding a startup out of college just being young. You know, you get folks asking like, "Hey, do you know how to do this?" Which is a, a fair question. And so for us, it was surrounding ourselves with really good advisors and also making sure that you have a really strong team because a, a startup is never just one person. <clears throat> it's really hard to build a startup with just one person. And so, you what you're really looking for is the team, and your team should be there one as a benefit to you when you're presenting the work that you're doing, because your team is hopefully amazing, right? Your team is going to carry it forward and your team is the team that's going to be able to weather kind of these storms and these challenges. Um, but also on the other side, that team should be able to support you. Um, and so that's that's really important is to build a supportive, uh, a supportive team around you that's able to uh, kind of insulate you a little bit from, uh, from those challenges. Very interesting. 
And um, what are some of the goals uh, that that uh, lie ahead of you? Like, where do you see um, this venture or yourself going? Yeah, um, so we are, you know, we're currently raising funding, we're launching, we really want to be uh, kind of the, the biggest players in the virtual first COPD care. You know, you, you look at diabetes, which has a huge market, has a ton of people, and you see Livongo, you see Omada, you see a lot of people in that space. Um, there is nothing like that in the COPD space, and yet it is, you know, the third highest cost uh, for employers. It's extraordinarily expensive and it impacts a lot of people. And so, you know, you have, I think it's 25 million adults living with COPD in the US. Um, wow. And so this is, it's a, it's a really underserved population. It's very overlooked. And part of that is because it's, it's, it's a complicated and difficult condition. Um, and there's a lot of coordination that needs to be done. And so for us, you know, we would love to, to be kind of the preeminent and lead the charge there because these are folks that are not getting the help that they need. And, you know, it's folks that are rural, but a lot of the treatment centers are in urban areas. So they don't have physical access to the help that they, that they need or to the equipment. Um, and so we really want to be able to decentralize that care, be able to meet people where they are um, in that care process and, and to be leaders in that space. And we really are focusing on COPD. I know it's tempting and from a startup perspective, it's tempting to say, well, you know, it's very similar to other respiratory conditions and we'll expand out of that. But, you know, we have a unique patient population with the kind of with the age and with the demographics um, to say, let's focus here. Let's focus on making this a really great product for these folks. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for making impact on uh, millions of you know, people's lives and uh, really remarkable work that you're doing. Thank you so much for your time today. How can people reach out to you? Yeah, feel free to email me. Uh, my email is ellen.sue at wellings.com. Um, I am happy to, happy to connect there. I'm, you know, we've gotten so much help from people who have, uh, you know, who have helped us when we reached out. So I'm always happy to, to talk through, you know, whether that's product development strategy, whether that's thinking about kind of careers in products, whether, you know, design, development, all of that, um, whether it's thinking about kind of startups and how those happen, whether it's healthcare, happy to talk to any, talk to, talk to folks about any of that. So feel free to just reach out and, and email me. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thanks for having, uh, right. great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's great to be here.